Good morning, everybody. If you've got a Bible with you, you may want to open it. You may want to open it at 1 Corinthians 11, 23. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. My message today is the game changers. The game changers. And I want you to think, as we walk through this talk, I want you to think of a situation in your life. A situation in your life that's maybe stuck or it's not the way it should be but you would love to see the game change in that situation in 2017. You would like to see the game change in 2017. I sat with a bunch of men last year, this time last year, and said to them, what would be the three game changes for you this year? And I wish I had the time to tell you what's happened this year in these young men's life because they stepped out in faith and believed God for three game changes. But if you were to write down your top three game changes in 2017, I write game changes or goals, whatever you want to call them, but you've got to be in faith and you've got to be crystal clear. The Bible, the Bible makes it clear that God gives us what we ask or imagine, but you've got to know what you're asking, what you want. And so... Think of a situation that if God touched it this year, family situation, resource situation, whatever tough situation, that if God touched it, there would be a massive game change. I believe there's anointing of the Holy Spirit in a meeting today for game change. Who would like to see game changes in their life? Come on, your family, your kids, your friends. That's what it's all about this morning. Jennifer Hudson, did it, is anybody as daft as me, as daft as me that watched a bit of The Voice last night? Did anybody, I see, yeah, at least you're honest. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, I, 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 I thought I'm going to watch one song, but I enjoyed the song and I watched another one. But the thing I enjoyed most was the new judge, Jennifer Hudson. Anybody heard of Jennifer Hudson before? She's been in some movies and things. Well, Jennifer Hudson, Jennifer Hudson, the new judge, and for me, she brought a bit of light into the place because... People would never know that she needed the greatest game change in her whole life on more than one occasion. She was going through a tough time as a young girl, ballooned to six stones overweight, failed the Simon Cowell test, which I think is a blessing rather than a curse, failed that thing, you know, nothing was going right for her. And then lo and behold, in the, in, in the middle of her life, there was a triple murder took place. Her mother... Her own mother, her brother, and her nephew were all murdered, murdered horrendously. And in the middle of that, I believe it was her brother-in-law that was done for the murders. And I, but she says in her testimony that the game changer for her takes place every single Sunday morning. No matter what show she's on or where she is, she is in church worshiping the living God every Sunday morning. Let's give it up for some great examples. There she is on that thing in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. And we, we're just going to go over the game-changing moment in history. For I received from the Lord, verse 23, what I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed. So if ever there was a need for a game-changing moment for Jesus, the disciples, and Christ, it was this. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the cup of the new game changer. 
in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. You change the game. Every time you eat and drink on this cup, you change the game. You enter and touch the presence of the Holy Spirit. He touches you and something changes. One English minister, I believe his name was Watson, understood the power of this more than anybody else. He would take this to the marketplace and he would break bread. In the early years, I believe his name was David Watson when we were first starting the church. He was a big hero for some people. And he would just break bread in public and the miracles that took place, major game changes took place. And so the greatest sermon I ever heard in my life, the greatest game-changing sermon I ever heard in my life was in Pool in Dorset by a man his name will come to me in a moment, but he spoke about what the cross accomplished for you and me. And I want to share three game changers that took place at the cross. And I believe if you apply these three game changers, you'll see miracles and games changed in 2017. Go to any evangelical church in the country and you will see that they believe that the cross was all about the removal of our sins and salvation. And if it was nothing more than that, that alone would be worth celebrating the name of Jesus all the days of our life. But the problem is, many people have stuck there. And the truth of the matter is, excuse me, what took place at the cross, what Christ won and accomplished for us, is light years even more than that. So much took place. I've only got time to share three of the things with you today. But mind-blowing things took place in that moment. And three game changers that I'm, I see that took place at the cross, and I'll mention them this way. And the first one is this, the power of the switch. The power of the switch. He gave us the power at the cross, to make the switch. See, because people think it was all about sin. Well, it's more than that. It's all about worship. You see, in the garden, before there was a single basket case, there was basking cases. Adam and Eve had said, walked in the cool of the day with God. They were basking in his presence. They were basking. And until the moment came when they took their attention, their worship from the living God, and began to focus on other idols, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it's, it is about sin, but it's more about a shift in worship. It's more about taking us back to the beginning. Because in between, man became a basket case, but Jesus came to switch us back to being basking cases. People who have one and only idol, people who understand this was all about worship and sin. Every single sin is a false worship or a false God. Every single one is a false you know, the love of money is the worship of mammon. 
And, and so, so it's more than just, oh, you swore and you did this, this, this. It, the whole deal is about bringing us back to a heart of worship. The switch that took place was mind-blowing. You don't have to, because here's what an idol is. An idol is whatever you give your, whatever you attach your pleasure or displeasure to. Whatever you attach your pleasure or your displeasure to do, Above Jesus Christ. So Adam and Eve attached their pleasure. They already had the pleasure sorted. They were basking cases, delighting in the Father's presence, and they switched that off, and they switched to worshiping the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And every single trouble in your life that's tied to depression and sin is linked to an idol that needs to be smashed today. Because whatever you give your pleasure to or even your displeasure to, people say, I don't have an idol I give pleasure to. Well, what do you worry about? What are you anxious about? Because when your attentions and affections are given 100%, I got the strongest rebuke from the Holy Spirit at 11 o'clock last night. I put my head on the pillow, and I was, I was looking forward to a basking moment. And this is what I heard loud and clear. The clearest I've ever heard the Holy Spirit say. He said to me, are you going to allow your mind and your spirit to rob you of a single moment of basking because you choose to focus on the basket of troubles. What? It was like the biggest slap in the face I've ever had in my life. And I suddenly realized you can even make a worry, a fear, an anxiety, an idol, because when it takes center place in your life and your affections and your attention, it's an idol. And when Jesus went to the cross, it was so that every idol could be smashed, hence why he says in the commandments, have no other God bar me. But Jesus gave us the power to make the switch, to stop focusing on the basket. Depression is no more than dissatisfaction with the moment. In other words, it's the moment you take your eyes off the basking one and fix it on the basket. But today, we're going to smash the powers of depression in many lives and anxieties and fears because God has given you the power today to make the switch once and for all from worshiping what you worship to worshiping the living God. Let's give it up for the power of the switch. It's about worship. It's awesome. It's awesome. And sin has just displaced worship. It's just worshiping the wrong thing. So that's the first one. The power of the switch. And the second one, because and the reason you can cast all your cares upon the Lord, you can put the basket at the foot of the cross. A thousand things may be troubling you, like it was me last night. But you can put it to the cross and come over here and just bask and enter his peace and enter his joy in this most glorious, beautiful thing because he promised that his grace is sufficient for you and he cares for all your needs. He has them in the palm of his hand and he can't fix them because you and I have got our hands on them. Let's give up for the power of the switch. Come on, guys. It's the power of the switch. The power of the switch. Power of the switch. Apply that in your life every day. And here's the second one at the cross. 
that he gave us. The second game changer. And this is, this is like 10 sermons on its own. But I'm going to try to do it in a few minutes. The power of the image. The power of the image. The power. The Bible says right at the beginning, we were made in the image of God. What was the number one problem after the fall? Self-image. You see, the power of the image is one of the greatest freeing, game-changing moments in history. You see, as well as freeing us from sin, and as well as um, giving us that wonderful gift of salvation in your life, he gave us at the cross a new CEO of our lives. The switch that took place is we were in the kingdom of darkness under the ruler of darkness, and we became into the kingdom of light under the new CEO, the ruler, Lord Jesus Christ. So at the cross, the game change gets bigger and bigger because you're no longer under the old boss. The second thing he gave us was a brand new job description. One thing I love about Hill songs is they hold everything light. Just a few years ago, one of the pastors walked into 30 staff at Hillsongs and handed them a brown envelope. And they opened the brown envelope, and the brown envelope had inside their new job description for the year. Now, that's what you call secure leaders and hold things lightly, because the mission and the cause at Hillsongs is always bigger than the individual. And do you know what? They just said, okay, that's my new job as from tomorrow. Don't worry, Robert, I'm not getting any ideas, but... And they got on with it because they understand. Here's what they understand. What the brilliant psychologist Henry Cloud discovered in his research is that when you look back on your life and your happiest moments, is isn't so much what you were doing, but who you were doing it with. Let that one sink in, guys. You look back on your high points in your life, Yes, of course, it was something to do with what you're doing. But it was a whole lot more about who you were doing it with. And here's the thing. The new job description and the new job. You were given at the cross. We had an old job, which was to sin and please the prince of darkness. But we got a new job, a new boss, and a new job description. He took us from being lovers of self. He took us from being the tail to being the head. He took us from being advancers of the kingdom of darkness to a brand new job description. I wonder if anybody here knows what that new job title and description looks like. Because Revelation 5.10 gives us a beautiful insight. There's many other scriptures in Romans we could go through, but I've chosen this one, Revelation 5.10. And this is what happened. You got a new CEO, you got a new job description, and you got a new vocation. The cross, the communion we serve, 
And most people struggle with this. Yes, you got salvation. But here's the most important thing you've got. You've got a brand new job. You might want to be religious and call it calling. You might want to be business-like and call it vocation. But at the cross, you were given a brand new vocation. You look so excited about that. Brand new. It is fantastic. And two words he uses in Scripture to describe that new vocation. People don't need to say, what is my calling? What is my vocation? What is my purpose in life? It's right here. Revelation 5.10. It says, he has made us to be kings or a kingdom and priests to our God, and we will reign on earth. Do you get that, guys? Oh, you're happy to sing about, we all are, Jesus reigning on earth. That's not what it's saying. He's saying, I've switched you from being losers and sinners to being a king and a priest and a ruler on this earth. He didn't come to fish us out this hellhole and drag us off to heaven. No, he, he did this so we become like William Wilberforce. And we would be part of transforming a whole new heaven and a whole new earth because we're ambassadors of heaven. We are kings and royal priests. We have an authority, an anointing, and a power to change every single game we enter every single day. You are the kings. You are the priests. You are the anointed ones. That is your vocation. If you want it in simpler terms, just hold a minute. If you want me to put it in street terms, you were transformed at that moment from a fragile, broken image into being an image bearer, which was God's intention in the beginning. He made us in his image so that when anybody looks at you, they can see Jesus. When anybody looks at how you dealt with that person and turned the other cheek, they see Jesus. You know, when the Bible says we're salt and light, that's not like a wee ornament on the thing. That's transformation of injustices and battles and struggles and sins and depressions and difficult things. And who is God going to do that from? Who is God going to use to transform from here in Nigeria to Haiti and around the world? He's going to use his kings and priests. The moment we switched from the basket to being the basking one, the moment we switched from being the tail to the head, and the moment we step into that vocation, and that vocation is to be an image bearer. How you, you know, they say in America that the, the staff don't want to work Sundays. They don't want to work Sundays. Can anybody tell me why? Staff. Waitresses don't want to work Sundays in America because Christians don't tip as much as the world does. <laughs> and on Sunday, the restaurants are full of Christians have come to church. I'm sure it's because they've already put every last penny in their tithe and they don't have any money left. But, but what an opportunity to be an image bearer. And that image bearing is a transforming, has the effect of soul, has the effect of light for every single room and day you enter. Now for some that will look, how does that work practically? For some of you that will look like giving a glass of water. 
For some of you, a second coat. For some of you, it will be like a prayer. For some of you, it will be like sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. For others, you'll be raising the dead. But you have to wake up in the morning and step into your vacation. You're not a loser. You're not some depressed cat. You're not some weakling. You're not some this. You were that. But at the cross, he took that old being away and he transformed you and anointed you to be a priest and king. When you see a policeman in the street of Dunfermline or anywhere, you don't bat an eyelid unless he's got his uniform on. If he's got his uniform on, and he's got a badge on, and he's got a cap on, and especially if he's blue lights flashing. He was nothing a minute ago in his jeans and t-shirts, but he stepped into his authority. The badge and the hat and the light. He has power over you now. He's power over you. And Christians need to see that when Jesus clothed you and I with a cloak of righteousness, you have the royal anointing of Jesus Christ to operate as a king or a priest. And in weeks to come, I'll explain what the difference is. But here's the great news. The cross gave you the switch and it gave you a brand new vocation. What if you left this place Today, with a new sense of an anointing on you, and that every single situation you entered, something in the supernatural was being transformed in a mighty way. That is a wonderful, wonderful gift we received at the cross. Let's give it up for the living God on that one. You're an image bearer. You're an image bearer. Those words are going to stick with you all this, all this year. You're an image bearer. So how do people see Jesus? They see Jesus when they see you respond. How Jesus responds. And they go, hey, that looks like what Jesus would do. That smells like what Jesus would do. That sounds like what Jesus would do. Here's the final one. You ready for this one, guys? The third thing he gave us the cross as important as anyone he's ever given someone put it in these words he gave us the power of the other he gave us the power of the other without that power of the other and some amazing new research is coming out about human beings about life about children on this very thing I want to touch on In John 14, 16, you could picture the disciples like the game's burst. The game's over. The one they love most. The one who promised to be there. The one, 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 one. He's now going. You've all been in that moment when the one you love most or the one you, you know, they walked. They're in that moment. And Jesus says this thing. He introduces them to the power of the other. I think Christians down through the ages have grasped a part of this, but I think there's a whole lot more awesome stuff. And I think it's been lost in our society. The power of the eyeball has been lost. But God is bringing it back. 
And here's the thing. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. Now, imagine if he didn't, how, where we would be today, what would have happened. But he's introducing the power of the other. What he's saying is that no matter what you face, no matter how difficult the situation is, no matter how many obstacles come your way, no matter how many betrayals you face, you're being introduced to the power of the other. The helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit who will be with you forever. We can applaud God for that. I'm telling you, without the power of the other, and this is what was given to us. And yet, the other sits on her shelf at times like a Christmas decoration, tinseled for two weeks. Or in my house, about three and a half months. I still not doing yet. That's cool. The power of the other. And Jesus is saying, not only is it going to be okay, not only is it going to be fine, but it's going to be better if you understand your need for the power of the other. That is the Holy Spirit. And the need to bask and drink of the Holy Spirit in your worship every day is more vital and crucial today than ever before. But I want to move it on a little bit to another aspect of the other. Because when I was a little boy, you would go to Sunday school picnics, you'd go to railway club picnics, there'd be street picnics every other day, all kinds of all kinds of things. But we have, we're losing in our society, our children are losing the power of the other, like never before. They're losing the power of the other. Disconnectedness, let me just say this. By the way, it's meant to be a cheery message. It's quite cheery once you get rid of it. Disconnectedness in children, latest research has shown this. If you raise a child and you give it all the love and give it everything it needs, but don't provide connectedness, don't connect with a child or don't have a connecting with our children, it says Dr. Henry Cloud in his latest research said this, that if you feed babies but deprive them of meaningful relationships and attachment or bond, they will not grow as they should. Just from missing a relational connection, listen to this, listen to this, latest research in many studies. Just from missing a relational connection, they will have lower body weights. <laughs> Part of me went, I'll take some of that. But they will have lower body weights. They will experience more illness. And in extreme situations, they can develop a syndrome called failure to thrive. It is a term that, is, that means exactly that. They're hitting a false limit. They're not thriving to their full potential. The damage from lack of connection goes even deeper. Latest research, check this out. Fascinating. Many studies have, have shown many studies that a tiny little black holes can be seen in the brains of children who have no connectedness. Where neurons have not formed 
and neurological systems of these children have not growing. Jesus prepared us for this when he said, in the last days, men will be lovers of self. Most media forums that are meant to help with connectedness actually reinforce disconnectedness. Because people are deluded to think, I'm connecting, but when the, if there's no eyeball-to-eyeball, deep, meaningful connecting in relationships with the brothers and sisters in Christ have a positive effect on you, the actual effect, not only in your spiritual walk, but in your physical body, is mind-blown. Jesus didn't say when two or three you text, he said in his gift of the other, when two or three of you gather, when two or three of you gather, the power of Christian fellowship, that was part of the thinking of extending the Hogmanay party a little bit today, fill the children. So for 20 more minutes, the little children can connect and integrate and probably bash the living daylights over each other on a bouncy castle. Some religious people in the past have said, Woo, a bouncy castle in the church. Woo, a Disney movie in the church. They get freaky about these things, but they don't understand. A child's development needs play, connection, and meaningful interactions in this age when people are withdrawing and shrinking back into the world of the internet and losing touch. But I want to encourage you, the church is the answer because no matter, come sunshine, hail or rain, well, apart from the last two weeks, forgive us, Lord, there's somewhere you can go and have a cup of tea and a free cake and begin to bask and enjoy and drink of the third switch, the gift and the power of the other. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ for that. God has wired. He took me apart on Christmas Day. You know, you could be a leader, a Christian for many, many years. How many times do you know God needs to smack you up the back of the head like he does with me regularly and wake you up to things you've forgotten? Not even so much forgotten, but maybe he just wants to reemphasize them. But it was fascinating. The professionals of a certain hotel that will remain nameless called the Kivu was, was uh, kindly invited us for Christmas, first ever Christmas day out. And I thought, this is going to be interesting. So in their great wisdom, they're obviously thinking, white tablecloths, white chairs, we need to do something to engage and entertain the kids. So they pay for a full day for Mr. Professional Santa to come. Not realizing by the time the kids there, they're bored to their brains. It's about the 20th Santa they've seen and not one of them looks like the real one. So, Santa's there getting paid double time, as I suspect, and he's, he's doing his thing. He's up at our table and he's doing every single thing he can to engage and interact with a two-year-old. This is brilliant, power of the other. She's not interested. She um, bordered on being rude. She blanked him, blocked him, not interested. So he plays his final ace card. He brings her the biggest present. Well, typical Santa. He gives her the wrong present, doesn't he? 
That's not the one that she was expecting and faith for. And she gets the wrong present, so now he's history, a typical woman. He's history. So now they have a professional magician who does amazing tricks to entertain the children. And he makes the best balloon dogs you've ever seen. Well, I think he just got the vibe. I think he just got the electricity because he seemed to go to every single table bar hours. Every time he looked at our table, he just went like, I'm not going there. I think he got the vibe that with all his skills and 40 years of experience, he's not going to win this one. And I'm fascinated. I'm watching this. How much money have they spent on this guy? How much have they spent on this guy? How much do these presents cost? And she is switched off. Then comes the moment. The power of the other shows up. A little chubby lad about a head bigger than her arrives at the table behind her with mum and dad. And when in two seconds they eyeball. And that was it. This switched off, bored out of your brains, Christmas Day kid, suddenly is a thousand watt light bulb. She's bouncing everywhere, hide and seek and running everything. And the Holy Spirit sat there and said, you just don't get it. You've done this journey how long and you don't get it. And they don't get it because they could have saved them two grand higher than Santa. And the last, Santa, the last thing Santa needed that day was to be near any foot. And the thing is that, the thing is that I sat there going, I've never seen a physical human demonstration by the Holy Spirit of the power of the other. Because Jesus didn't come with his sanctification. He didn't come with his tricks. The Bible says he came down to our level like one of us and washed our feet and engaged with us. And that's what that three-year-old little boy he did. He had more power. And I thought, you know, I was going to write to him and say, save yourself three grand next year. Just put a little few soft things there and let the kids flip and engage and you will have the most amazing Christmas. The power of the other. The power of the other. So God gave us the power of the switch. Yes, let's do that today. The power, what's the second one? The power of the image. And the third one was what? The power of the other. I've never ever understood fully, scientifically and medically, how you could be full of problems and walk into Costa or wherever, where the whole cares of the world on your shoulders, and you meet somebody, anybody, somebody, and you start talking, and, and you're not even talking about the stuff in your basket, you're just talking. And within 20 minutes, you go, that pain's gone, that ache's gone, that, that depression's gone, that, that, that thing. What happened to me there? I never fully understand it. But God has wired us from a baby's womb. From a mother's womb, rather, not a baby's womb. A wee bit dodgy theology there, Pastor. From a mother's womb, He has wired us to worship. He's wired us to be image bearers. And He has wired us to connect and bask in the power of the other. If you ramp it up in 2017 in these three areas, you're going to have a 2017 like you cannot believe.
because the Bible says we don't shrink back. But the truth of the matter is, we all shrink back. The moment you're offended, we do two things. We hedgehog. You know, we draw in, we shrink back in the corner and we get the spikes out. <laughs> so even if you get to me, <laughs> you're going to get jugged or spiked. And the truth of the matter is, this is not the time or the hour, fine church, for us to shrink back. We are image bearers. We are called to get the love out, to get the good news out through Alpha and every other means and get the image of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and I'm going to invite us once more back to the cross. Take a moment. Let's stand together. Let's stand together in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to pray. George, Tim, if you just play a little quietly there. And I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. I want you to think of a situation, maybe three, in 2017, where it's half time and you're losing 3 0. The game's stuck. You've tried everything to change the game, but the power of the Holy Spirit can do in an instant what you and I can't do in a thousand years. So with every eye closed, I want you to think of these situations. Pick one or two, three game changes. Put them at the foot of the cross. Just begin to confess where if you focused on the idols, be they pleasures or troubles, pleasures or troubles, wherever you put that above, the sweetness of the presence and the power of Jesus. Just begin to repent deep in your heart and say, I don't want 2017 to be a year where I magnify troubles. I magnify fears. I magnify anxieties. Every night, I put my head on the pillow. I'm going to take that basket, that burden, and place it at the feet of the cross. I'm never going to rob myself again of a single moment of basking and worshiping. Break every curse in this moment, Holy Spirit. Anoint every person as a king and priest in 2017. Open our eyes, give us a fresh revelation to see that we're not going to be an, uh, a bearer of the image of depression no more. We're not going to be a bearer of the disappointment no more. We're not going to be the bearer of the fear no more. We're going to beam like the light and we're going to salt like the salt, transforming every injustice. Anoint every person in the room today with a fresh new vision of themselves. Wash away that old self image and release to every person the power to switch idols to Jesus Christ. The power to be that image bearer and the power not to shrink back from brothers and sisters Jesus ever again but to put ourselves out there as the anointed ones 
and through each one of us from here to Australia, see nations transformed by multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of anointed image bearers of the living God. Break every curse. Anoint every person. Fill them afresh with the Holy Spirit. Set them on fire. Take away the old images, the old pictures and regrets. Fill them full. And may they walk. May they breathe. May they talk. May they think. Like the royal ambassador the priest you've caused them to be in Jesus name Vine Church happy 2017 let's give it up for the Lord Jesus Christ the game changer the game changer